everybody, welcome to another episode of MCG Rants. I'm Tanning Grace, and as always, I'm joined by Ross Merriam. We're going to probably have a nice, quick, dirty episode for you here this weekend. I don't know why I said dirty, Ross. It's, it usually has at least a little bit of there. There's All our episodes are dirty, Tannen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They can be cleaned up at least. I don't know yeah. how dirty, but they could definitely be cleaned up at least a little bit. But uh, I see you're wearing your jazz hat. I know they had a little bit of a uh, – what's the right expletive here for this? They had quite a interesting game the other night. Uh, it was a miracle. <laughs> Let's update this for everybody. This is the reason we're getting in the, the episode. Like This is Thursday night. It's 1040 for you, 930 p.m. for me. Yeah. We've both been very busy. You're about to travel a bunch, so – just for everybody yeah. at home, so, sorry that we might not get the uh, the typical show in today. But uh, so I I actually didn't even watch the game. Uh-huh. I was out last night. We did we did our normal Wednesday night bar trivia, and then afterwards Corey and I played a little pool. And uh, until his fiance got got off work, and then we uh, just went and had one more drink, and we're we're at the bar, and Corey put I'm following the jazz game on my phone. Corey puts the stream on his phone. And we're right at the end of the game, and it's right when Jordan Clarkson gets called for the flagrant two, automatic ejection, one of the worst flagrantries I've ever seen. Yeah, he just like great. makes very minimal contact, but it's to a guy's head. He's making a play on the ball, but they like you know they adjudicate contact to the head very uh, you know harshly maybe, in the NBA these days. Yeah, maybe that was like a point of emphasis. Like I know that most it's been a point of emphasis for years. Exactly. Like yeah. like every year in the NFL, they're like we're going to crack down on this more in yeah. baseball. Like we're going to crack down on this more. So maybe but, that was something you know t- t- ten ten seconds earlier or later is around, around it. You know Jordan Poole just uh, you know runs his shoulder into Kelly Olynyk's you know face, and there's not even nothing. a regular foul. Yeah, just no yeah. whistle at all. Yeah. Um, it, it was a bit of a flop. I'm exaggerating that. But uh, then, um, so that flagrant foul happens like near the end of the game, you know, under 20, under 30 seconds left. And it's, you know, they get two free throws and the ball and the game is just over. And we, mm-hmm. t- we turned it off and I'm disgusted. So I can't believe we got screwed that, that hard. And like, you know, a minute later, I'm just on, or five minutes later, I'm just on Twitter on my phone now. And I have a bunch of jazz beat writers in my Twitter feed and there's just a bunch of tweets for them, like super excited, like "Oh my god, how, the Jazz yeah. won!" Yeah. And so I immediately look up what happened, and like they were they were down four with 13 seconds left mm-hmm. at the the end result of all of this, which usually means the game's over. But. In the last 25 seasons, the Jazz had been down four more points with under down now down four points with under 10 seconds left in 719 games. Mm-hmm. They had won one of them. Well, let's let's rephrase that now. They're two hundred. They're yeah, two, two and seven hundred eighteen. Yeah, seven hundred eighteen. The yeah. one they won is called the Miracle in Miami. It was LeBron James' first year in Miami, 2010-2011. and early in the season. And this was the this was the last year Darren Williams was on the Jazz. He got traded later that year, mm-hmm. but early on in that season, there was like a two week stretch where the Jazz won like five or six games in a row where they were down twenty points at one point in all of them. Mm-hmm. And this one in particular, they were down eleven with about thirty-five seconds left. That's a or, lot. So, uh, maybe Reg- maybe down a, nine. Uh, I can't Reggie remember exactly. Miller. This is it, Reggie Miller shit. Like, no, uh, it's it was basically, but it was Paul Millsap, mm-hmm. who at that point in his career was two for twenty from three for his career, and this is career, like seven yeah. seasons into his into his career. Yeah, it's, it's not like, like he was. Everyone was shooting threes. Yeah, uh, this was like right as people started shooting more threes, yeah. and he became a good three point shooter. He went, he went to Atlanta a couple years later. He was an all star in Atlanta for four years, mm-hmm. and you know would shoot three or four threes a game at shot him at a good clip. But he came into the league as this like bruising low post player. Um, and so he's two for twenty for his career. He made three threes in a row to get them to the point where they were da- and uh, you know Miami missed several free throws because they're playing the foul game, and so this. That game ended with the, the Jazz down two on the last possession. Someone else took a three, missed it. Millsap gets the rebound, has to just toss it. Like, can't even take a real shot because he has to release the ball so quickly. It goes off the glass and in. And so he scored 11 points in the last 35 seconds to bring them back, and they won in overtime. Yeah. But in this game, Nikhil Alexander-Walker drives you know, drives down the next possession. The Warriors basically conceded the rim. They're like, please take a layup. And... 
you know, you'll see a lot of te- a lot of coaches say like, yeah, you can go for a quick two. We'll play the foul game. Actually, the statistical models now demonstrate that if you take that free two points, you actually reduce your chances of winning the game <laughs> because you're just you just don't have a chance to catch up at that point. Down four, yeah. you need a three, yeah. and so. Walker goes up. Everyone in the room, everyone in the arena thinks he's taking the free layup, and he just spies Malik Beasley, one of our best three point shooters. He yeah. whips a pass to him. Beasley gets the three. If you watch the replay, Clay Thompson just like left Malik Beasley for no reason, just yeah. leaves him wide open. I was how one has Walker? Of, how has Walker been this season, by the way? Nikhil, um, he's been solid. <laughs> Actually, he, he's sort of taken over the backup point guard role from uh, Taylor Horton Tucker. The, the thing that's been most impressive, though, he, he's still not a very good offensive player because he just can't shoot that well. He's an okay three-point shooter, but like just not a great finisher at the rim or anything like that. But he's been an amazing on-ball defender. Yeah, because like, really, like, he, really he got a lot of minutes in New Orleans when he played the last two seasons he was there. And like some people thought he might have been a building block, but then you know, the roster drastically changed yeah. over the last two years. He was also one of the least efficient players in the league during his time in New Orleans. And sure. he's like, you know, I don't, I don't think he's quite that bad, but he's still inefficient. Yeah. Um, and he's like he's an okay point guard with the ball in his hands, like setting people up. But he's been a great on ball defender. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, so let's let's finish this so, Utah. Yeah, so Beasley gets three. Now we're down one, and on the inbounds play, Jordan Poole instead of just hugging the ball like you're taught to do, because there's six point nine seconds left at this point. Nice, <laughs> Jesus. Jordan Poole like like ter- exposes the ball, thinking like he's trying to like look for a pass, even though he's also their best free throw shooter. He's actually a better free throw shooter than Steph Curry, who didn't play last night. But um, Jordan Poole, I think, was number one in the NBA last year, and uh, it was actually Nikhil Alexander Walker again. He comes around the other side of Poole from where he was, swipes down, gets the dislodges the ball. There's a scrum at that point. Kelly Olynyk and, and Nikhil Alexander Walker get or Kelly Olynyk and Jordan Poole get like tangled on the floor. Both drop to it. Somebody on the Jazz picks it up, th- tosses it to to Walker who sprints on the fast break. Oh no, to, to Beasley, um, Malik Beasley, and they you know he as the one defender back. Uh, Moses Moody for Golden State comes up to you know guard the ball. He dumps the ball off with a nice bounce pass to Simone Fontecchio, who dunked the ball in with 1.4 seconds left, and the Jazz win an absolute miracle of a game. They were now Golden State was out was without Steph Curry, Draymond, and Andrew Wiggins, like their three best players. Yeah. But the Jazz were also playing without Mike Conley and Larry Markkinen, their two best players, and two of their other rotation players got injured during the game and didn't play most of the second half. That's Colin Sexton and Jared Vanderbilt, and Jordan Clarkson got ejected for nonsense. So I'm going to call that a wash and say, suck it, Golden State. Yeah. Speaking of uh, sports, we're going to talk for a second. Have you seen what's been going on in the Major League Baseball free agency in the last few days? I saw Aaron Judge got a lot of money. So we, I yeah, saw talk, Trey we, Turner got a surprisingly long contract. So let's 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 well, there, there's a reason to that that they haven't talked about. So let's uh, let's talk about those two in particular. So the reason that the contracts are becoming a little bit longer, we're going back into like ten and eleven year deals, is the luxury tax stuff has gotten more complicated and changed this year, and so the way that it's calculated isn't like you know, hey, we could front load your contract, you'll make thirty million a year your first couple of years and twenty million a year, and that'll help our thing. They don't do that. They know that teams can get creative that way. So they get the average of every one of your years. So if you play if you get a three hundred million dollar contract for ten years, but they pay you two hundred million dollars in your first year, you're still only hitting the cap for the average that year. Not for that, right? That's it's it's rounded. So that teams can't like severely take advantage of it. So now you're seeing certain players get longer average salary like longer contracts with, sh- with smaller average salaries than they were uh you know that became a big thing in vogue the last couple of years players would get like one less year you know hey you get a four-year deal instead of a five but we'll we'll throw in an extra like four million a year you know whatever blah 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 those two in particular are really funny because everybody didn't know if you if you follow base or whatever uh aaron judge got a eight-year deal for what was it like 365 i think it was something like along the numbers of along the, i mean i'm going off the top of my head here so, something like that some ridiculously big number um. Uh, I'm assuming you're double checking right now for me. No, it was you're not. Okay. Anyway, so he gets this contract from the Yankees. Uh, for whatever you know, I mean, it might have been eight years, three forty-five. I don't. I don't oh, I don't Judge's know. contract was nine three sixty. Nine three sixty. There we go. Nine three. I don't know why I said eight. So nine three sixty. Judge was actually offered a four hundred million dollar deal to play for the San Diego Padres and said no. It would have been the biggest free agent contract in history. Uh, for for numbers of dollars offered out in the free agency, 
Uh, then Trey Turner signs a 11-year, $300 million deal to play with the Phillies. He was offered uh, the same deal, except for $342 million to play in San Diego. And he said no. So San Diego got spurred by two of the biggest free agents for lots of money. Mostly, I think Judge wanted to stay in New York. That ballpark's built for him. He's going to have a statue built there. He's going to become a Hall of Famer. Trey Turner wanted to play on the East Coast. His wife's from the area. Like, blah, blah, blah. There's a whole bunch of stuff to there. Yeah. The money, I don't know what taxes look like in Philly versus California. There's also that going on. But I don't know if you saw the Xander Bogarts deal that just got signed, but that one surprised the hell out of everybody in the industry. So, you know, he just, like, left the Red Sox, right? Or, like, he was going to leave the Red Sox. Yeah. And so, like, I was expecting him to get, like, a good five- or six-year deal. Well, the Padres were just like, fuck it. Here's an 11-year deal for, like, $280 million or something stupid. And I was like, go go on with your bad self, man. You yeah. know, whoever, whoever your agent is, you're you're pretty great. So, apparently in San Diego, like, you know, who traded for uh, Juan Soto last year, half Manny Machado, you know, half Fernando, uh, Fernando Tessis Jr. were just like, we want another superstar really, really, really bad. And so, they were just throwing monopoly money at people and uh there's a bunch of other big free agents you know like uh the grom got a guaranteed five-year deal in texas for a ton of money which is like super scary the dude's pitched like 150 innings over the last three years and yeah. he you know he throws harder than anybody in the game so that that's kind of like that might be the most risky contract in hit like in the history of baseball but if it if it works like hey man i mean he's the best pitcher in the game when he's healthy and then Verlander got a two-year deal with the Mets to, to with the, the highest. He tied the highest. He got the same deal that uh, Scherzer got to go with the Mets, pretty much. Like, this super high, you know, he's getting, like, $43 million a year for, like, two years or whatever. So they just got a whole bunch of, like, 40-year-olds throwing 100 miles an hour now at all these teams. So it's, it's really weird what's happening, but it's, it's a crazy season. Uh, Atlanta hasn't done much yet, but I'm not super worried about it. Even if you took, because we have a free agent, our, our uh, Gold Glove, really good shortstop, is a free agent right now and probably going to get paid way more than we want to pay him with the way the money's going, even if you take him off of Atlanta's roster and they just roll with what they've got, I still think we're a top five roster in the game without him and without any other additions and stuff like that. So we'll see what happens next year. Also, I'm pretty sure uh, Acuna Jr. is going to be the favorite for MVP going into next year, being healthy finally for the first time in two years. So we'll see what happens with that. But should be a lot of fun. Uh, it was nice to have – the reason I bring this up, it's nice to have something happen in the last week because, you know, they had the winter meetings where all the GMs get together. It's the first time they've been in person – in like three years to do this because if you look at NBA or NFL free agency, it generally takes this, it generally takes a day or two for that to get done. Everybody signs everywhere. You're done with baseball. It takes the entire off season. Plus sometimes it goes into like the actual, you know, preseason and into games and stuff. So nice to see some actual movement in the last few days and some trades and stuff happen. But what we wanted to talk about this weekend was, uh, I'm sorry. You'll be the weekend maybe when you hear this, maybe a little bit next week. Ross, you have an event coming up that you're playing and traveling to. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And there were two giant showcase qualifiers that went on on Magic Online last week with, I'm going to go out and say this, even though I'm not surprised by exactly one of the results, and we'll talk about why, some pretty surprising winning decks that put two people into the mocks from this weekend. I would say one is surprising, the other not so much. One is very surprising, but one maybe if if you're in the know of Pioneer, yeah, it, it shouldn't be a surprise if you've been paying attention for the last yes. you know th- if, three weeks. So let's just go ahead and start with that. Pioneer, I'm just gonna get right to it. Was won by Lotus Field in the hands of a very skilled pilot. Who was it again? Uh, that was Kane Reinhard, yeah, Kane Connecticut's Reinhardt. own. Yeah. Uh, if if you like it, you check him out. What is it? Sneaky. What is this? Sneaky Masato on t- on yeah. Twitch. He, he often yeah. uh, he streams quite a bit. Oh no, but that's Sneaky Masato is his um. That's, that's his, his one moto handle. Line. I don't know. If the, is is he, that his Twitch handle, too? I yeah, think it is. You, you can look it up. Anyway, um, while you're looking it up, I'm going to talk about this. You know, he won with Lotus Field. And I know Brent had talked to me about this, Brent Wagner, our editor. And, you know, you talked to me about this. We've talked about this a little bit. My friend and I, who are still, uh, you know, we're playing some RCs that are going on, uh, RCQs that are going on for the RC coming up. And it's been a little not well-kept secret, but if you look through the information that maybe Lotus Field was the best deck quietly over the last couple months, uh, especially at the the way that it performed at these RCs. Yeah, it didn't, like, you know, blow the, the, the doors down with wins or anything like that, but if you look at the records, conversion rates, and stuff like that, it, it kind of jumps off the page. It really does. Uh, I think, you know, just on, on rate, certainly the best performing deck across the last three or four weeks in Pioneer, um, you know, has a very good matchup against Is It Phoenix, is surprisingly solid against Rakdos, a deck with a lot of disruption and a reasonable clock. Um, 
and reasonable against green as well. Um, you know, you would think that it, like it's really rough to aggressive strategies, but Rakdos has been so big that there aren't a ton of aggressive strategies around, and you do get to just side in a bunch of sweepers against them. Usually, like Kane's list has two supreme verdicts in the sideboard. I've seen languish in some lists. I also see fading hopes. So that, that his plan is more cheap interaction. Roll or whatever gets shown up sometimes. The one that's like one black black and kills the you know it's really good against mono. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the one that doesn't let you untap your lands or whatever. But that one's yeah. You know which one we're talking about. Yeah. So. You know, the, the deck is just, you know, I think has been a, a sort of hidden gem in in the format for a while. Not, not a ton has changed for the deck. You know, the the, um, the sorcery speed impulse got upgraded to instant speed impulse. Uh, uh, Hope Tinder's been getting played lately. That's a kind of a, a, a thing that's changed a little bit. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're playing a split of that and Vizier's just because Hope Tender's a little bit more explosive. Yeah, um, everybody at home, if you might not know what this card is, because like this is it's a single prone thing with a card. It's one in the green for a 2-2 human druid. You can pay one and tap it to untap target land. You can pay one and exert it, if, if you remember the ability exert, uh, to untap two target lands. So this is a, a spell that can, can ramp you up really quick. Yeah, and you know the, the, this is a deck that you really can't afford to leave in significant amounts of creature removal against, because they don't really play creatures that you want to remove. So, you know... Hope Tender is a card that, if it lives, can do some really explosive stuff uh, for you, and it's hard for opponents to really prepare for it since it's the only good target for removal that you have, really, like except for the one Leer. Um, yeah, and then so, if the Leer's in play, you're probably dying. Yeah. Way. And then, you know, I, th I think this was a, a big... A deck that improved a lot from the Kamigawa lands. Like, you see three Besages and two Ottawaras in yes. Kane's list. But oddly enough, because of Lotus Field, like you can afford to play more copies of these lands and play them early. And then if you draw extra copies and need to play those as lands, you sacrifice the first one to Lotus yep. Field and then, you know, replay yep. them. But so that, so it gives you, uh, you know, you're not as punished for running multiple copies of, of legendary lands in that way. Uh, but you really do, you know, you do a very good job of utilizing the, the channel aspect of giving you some answers to common hate cards like, um, you know, Damping Spheres would be the big one that, a lot of people have played in the past to stop this deck. So that's really the, the major, you know, uh, improvement that this deck has received recently. Uh, but just not a, you know, combo decks always fly under the radar because there's just a, a huge section of the community that doesn't play them. You know, there's mm -hmm. just people that w will never play a combo deck. If you can't see it at home, I'm raising my hand. But I have actually said this. I remember saying this on the show that if I had to play this format competitively, this is one of the decks that I would actually put some time into because A, I need to know how to play against it. And then yeah. B, like, if it is just busted, like, whatever. Because, like, it seems great in this format because of the same thing you just said. I feel like this is one of those decks, like, do you remember when, like, Eggs was, like, kind of good in, in, in Modern before it, you know, got won by, it won the Pro Tour stands off Sifka? I remember, like, people were like, do you want to play test against this? And I'd be like, no. Yeah. Not, not not even a little. You know, same thing with, like, Dredge and Legacy. Like, nobody wants to play that for fun. You know, like, against that for fun. Yeah. You know, or, or, and, or they, like, don't even know somebody that could play it competently. Well. Yeah. 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 So, you, you know, you got a skewed uh, idea of, of how good the deck is that way. Oh, that's a good, very great point. Also, just a difficult deck to sideboard against because Pioneer's a very wide-open format. Yep. If you look at the top eight of the Showcase Qualifier, it's eight different archetypes. Yep. <laughs> you know, running the entire gambit. We've got the combo deck. We've got Mono Green. We've got Rakdos. We've got Is It Phoenix. You know, the the top three decks. We've also got you know you know the Enigmatic Incarnation Fires deck. We've got a, um, a, a Creativity Torrential Gear Hulk deck that is also Be still my heart. Oh no, th oh they're not they're not Creativity. No, they're just actual. Uh, yeah, they're just actual blue red. Yeah. I just stuff. kind of assumed they were when I saw Stern Lesson. <laughs> Uh, but uh, no, no, no creativity. Oh no, it's over here. Okay, it's just yeah, because it's a sorcery. Yeah, they, okay, they are. Um, Damn yeah. magic online stuff. It's like yeah. over here by Bonnie so, Lands. You yeah. know, full on. You know, Gear Hulk creativity with with a Yorian companion, which is cool. It's, I think it's the first time I've seen that deck as eighty cards. Yeah, um, I was like, why is there thirty lands in this deck? I was like, oh. yeah. <laughs> I was like, and and then you've got the beatdown decks with with Gruel boats and Bant spirits. So like they're you know there's a ton of different diversity of diversity in the metagame so it's it's hard to build a 15 card sideboard to be prepared for everything and lotus field has been the deck despite its success that i think people have chosen to try to ignore saying like you know it's only four or five percent of the metagame and all of the cards that or most of the cards i would have in my sideboard for that matchup are 
you know, not going to come in in most other matchups. You know, maybe if you're a blue deck, you can bring in some counter spells against them, and that's a, like the best you can do. Or, or black decks have a little extra discard. But even with you know, with uh, with things like go blank, like that's a very slow and you know not a great way to try to disrupt that deck. These you, it's a combo deck. You want to take very specific cards. Yeah. You want to be able to to strip you your opponent of thing. of certain yeah. resources. Yeah. Uh, you know, so they they have none of one thing, and then they can't really go off. Whether it's mana or you know payoffs or something like that. When they get the option to discard, they can you know uh, mitigate the damage that cards like those do. So yeah, I think Lotus Field is great right now. Still probably underplayed. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have to 100% agree with that. Yeah, and and we've been testing it. We just like we're in the part where like I think we're just dumb. Like we just can't, we just can't win with it. Yeah. <laughs> like ever. I will say this: we mulligan a lot, like a lot, a lot. Yeah, and I will be. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not playing Lotus Field this weekend at the Pioneer portion, but uh, I did take it into account when building my deck list. Sure. I have I have two more counter spells than the list started with. Uh, to to try to help out that matchup. Nice. One of the cool things I liked from this one, and uh, I'm just gonna say the fifth place list on here. I need to go see where the person actually finished because they rank it by uh, can, Swiss standings. Can, can I rant about this for a second? Oh sure, yeah, go okay. ahead. What what is what is this nonsense? How has this not been fixed? Like I I don't know. Fire Shoes has been like losing his mind on Twitter about it. Yeah, for those right, who don't know, rightfully so. By the way, yeah. Ever since the changeover in uh, for the, the MPGO server, yeah. whoever is operating it. Um, the reported deck lists from Moto events get listed based on Swiss standing. So you have to look at the bracket at the yeah. top to figure out who actually won. Yeah. Uh, and then like scroll through and, and find their lists. It's incredible. We just annoying. want the we just want this to be super easy. We don't we want to have ourselves handed to us. We don't have to actually do any work <laughs> and do any actual scrolling. But the 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 quote unquote fifth place list here, uh, the mono green deck that made it into the top eight. Uh, has something that's really cool in this. They have a, a two of in the main that, you know, uh, I haven't seen a ton. Uh, I've heard people talk about this a little bit, and it has another version of it in the sideboard, and that's the Might Stone and the Weak Stone in the main, which is pretty cool. This is something that I kind of like in the deck because sometimes you can get those draws where, like, yeah, I've got all this mana and not a lot to do with it, or, like, you just draw a couple old growth trolls and it's not good enough in that matchup to get you through. So this is another card that can do some double lifting here with the fact that, you know, when it comes to play, you can kill something on the opposing side, like a She-Holdred or something that's, like, very good or something that's, like, possibly, you know, giving you problems. Or you can just draw two cards and then still tap it for mana and keep going. So this is another card that hits really well off Storm the Festival. Because when you're storming, if you've ever played the Monogree deck and you cast Storm the Festival and you don't hit something like uh, the Cavalier of Thorns or the Nykthos that you're looking for to keep going, or, like, say, Old Grove Troll to hit off of your uh, Kiora to draw a card, or to hit the Kiora plus a big thing. Like, if you don't hit that, like, two good targets, it's not good. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you're going to probably lose, like, because you're not keeping up as much because you're spending so much mana on the stuff. And this just gives you two more big threats to hit into. Also, it gives you another big play on your five mana turn, because, like, this deck likes to go one, three, five a lot, if it can. You know, or to have that big impactful five drop, and if you don't have Cavalier of Thorns, that can be a problem. You know, and this gives you another big, quote unquote, like haymaker. Like it's not the same as Cavalier, but like it gives the deck more velocity and some more answers and some some cool stuff to do. So, I I like this card, and I'm wondering if it's good in Mono Green. I haven't gotten a chance to try it out myself, but it looks really cool. And this person's results speak for themselves. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about this card in those flex spots because it really there's like three flex spots in the deck, right? And ever since the Stone Brain, everybody's put Nicol Bolas in one of those flex spots because it, it lets you combo after your opponent Stone Brains you in the mirror by use it, utilizing their Planeswalkers. Um, but the this is this is a cool one. I agree with you. It's a great hit off Storm the Festival. And you might think like, oh, the restriction on the mana is too big. Like I, I can't use it to cast my Kiora later or cast Storm the Festival um, and, and things like that. But that's not true. Huh. That's not true, right? It's it, the mana can't be spent to cast non-artifact spells. Oh, I'm dumb. I thought Osinissa got around it. Huh. Um, I don't. I don't think so. You can spend mana as, as mana of yeah, as any just, color. In my mind, it just like worked. I, yeah. I apologize. Yeah. But there's a lot of ways to, to utilize this mana. Still, you mm-hmm. can use it to activate your Wolf Fellow Havens. You can use it to activate your Lair of the Hydras, pump those up more. Obviously, you've got a bunch of artifacts that you wish for with Karn, so it helps those. cast all of those. Yeah. But the most important one is. It activates Nykthos. Yeah. 
perfectly, right? You know, yeah, two mana. mana. Yeah, so exactly. you've got the just this, you know, Nykthos activator makes sequencing with Nykthos really easy. I think Might Zone and Weak Zone is a very, it's a well-rounded card and that, you know, to help you when you're behind on the battlefield, dealing with anything from, you know, a, uh, um, what's the, th- Adeline to a Shieldred. Adeline. Um, Sorry. Yeah, or, or a thing in the ice, maybe. Uh, and then, you know, in matchups where they're really trying to strip your hand and, and limit your resources, being a draw two is perfectly serviceable. So, yeah, I think that's a that's a cool find, and I wouldn't be surprised to see it uh, more often. Mm-hmm. Can we? Uh, can I interrupt for, like, two seconds before we go through this some more? Because there was something from the beginning of the show that I forgot to bring up, and I had a note on it. Sure. And I forgot to do it. Um, I wanted to ask you, this is, this is an NBA question, so I figured you'd be the right person to ask. Do you know what team is in first place in the West now? Because it's it, just that just would say. be the New Orleans Pelicans with a record of sixteen and eight. Could you could you repeat that, please, for everybody at home? The New Orleans Pelicans. All right, cool. All right, the, back to our register. The, the surprising part about this Tannen is that uh, I, I knew their offense was going to be great. Right? The they just have so many gr- so many weapons, yeah. Yeah. but they have a top ten defense right now. Yeah. Forget uh, what's his name? The ba- the backup point guard, oh, I, I Jose Alvarado. Alvarado has been playing some damn good yeah. basketball. He put yeah. a thirty something point game the other night too. That kid is making. He's gonna make some money. He just he just got himself a decent contract. I think. Yeah, he's well. This is his second year, so he's got two yeah. more two more years on his rookie got contract. But he's not he, even guaranteed yet. So I'm sure I'm sure at some point they're gonna be like, hey man, here you go. Like, yeah, because he was he was uh well. So he was a first. Was he a first round pick or, or a second? I don't remember. I just know that his contract for this year and next year probably aren't even guaranteed yet. And I think I think they sh- so will probably he, do that soon. Even as a first round pick, you only get two years guaranteed, and then two years so of team options. It. So then maybe he's in his third and fourth now. Uh, yeah. But they would have picked up his team option already for his third year. I just read something about this. I'm not sure. Don't quote again. I, I'm the baseball guy. I don't know the minutiae oh, of the NBA. I, I think he was undrafted. Yeah, I don't think he was a big time draft guy or whatever. He's very small. So like it's it's. Yeah, he, he got a two year two years guaranteed, and then he has a team option for. Um, oh no, he, he had no. They okay. They, they they picked up his team option for next year. Sure. So that's already locked in, and he's got another team option for the year after that that they're they will one hundred percent pick up. I, since I read this or whatever. Anyway. Yeah, he, he's making under two million for the next two yeah. years. Uh, but yeah, he'll probably get you know fifteen twenty million a year when he signs another deal. Yeah, hopefully good for that kid. But if he yeah. Keeps playing uh, with that. I think the top eight here, to go back to the regularly yeah. scheduled programming here, the to, like you, you alluded to this, the top eight coming out of the showcase for Pioneer is A, awesome, and B, kind of showcasing how much we were wrong overall. And I don't just mean you and I, just pretty much the general consensus on Pioneer was going into the RCs. I will say this, there's a lot of Rakdos everywhere. That is like the most played deck by a margin now in most of the things. But when yeah. you look at these results, eight different decks, you know, this is awesome. Like, you know, we're seeing, you know, some cool diversity here. You know, we're seeing decks coming back. You know, we see blue-white spirits or mono or bant spirits pretty much, you know, it's a collected company. But it's, you know, we saw uh, mono blue was a, was a popular choice at the RCs, though it didn't even do that well. Blue-white control has done well at RCs and, and picked up in popularity recently. There's still Absan Grease Fang. There's still the Karuga Fires deck. There's still... There's- there's you a know, different deck in 12th place as well. Rakdos Sacrifice yeah, made it into 12th. Sa- no, it's it's an incredibly diverse metagame right now, and uh, I don't understand why, like, uh, for whatever reason, people like to shit on Pioneer right now. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It is a little bit stale, having those same three decks at the top for a while, yeah. but there's, there's so many tier two decks you can play if you want variety, and you, you can win with all of them. So, <laughs> um, you know, that, that's a... Uh, uh, a huge, you know, point in the format's favor, in the metagame's sure. favor. Now let's talk about the other person, the other different format that qualified for the mock week, and that would be Modern. And uh, what was the winning deck here? This, this is the surprising one. Uh, Leandru yeah. winning the Modern Showcase with Eldrazi Tron. And with some new cards in it, too. Yeah, it got some inscribed tablets as sort of extra copies of Expedition Maps, so it's, it's a better deck at assembling Tron, historically. Uh, uh, than it has historically been, and uh, a uh, a Karn Silex from Dominaria um, uh, Dominaria United. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, what? I know it's a U word. I was about to do it. You were like, it was it was on the tip of your tongue. I was like, I'm gonna let him get it there. He can get there. Yeah, uh, Karn Silex, the sort of you know uh, flexible Nevin Earl's disc. Yeah, it, it, like they just have that in the main. I wonder if this is just like 
I wanted 16 sideboard cards <laughs> for my for my card tutor package, and uh, I just couldn't uh, figure uh, out. Oddly enough, they don't have any in their sideboard. There's not. Right, a, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but there's but there's two relics in their sideboard, so they could have done the like if they wanted to like a, maybe a relic main or something. I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's the card Silex is great main. I don't know. Like you know, I, I'd have to. I haven't played with this this version of Eldrazi Drawn. You know, it, kind of thing. I I think it's pretty good at, cl at clearing away a lot of the cheap you know threats people play. Mm -hmm. you, you can activate it for two, and the only things you're going to hit out of your deck are you know maps and tablets that you've presumably sacked before you did it. Mindstone, presumably you sacked for a value before you did it. Walking ballistas and chalice of the voids. Ch mm -hmm. The chalice is the one weird one, like uh, the real disenergy. But you know, other than that, it seems solid. Great way to clear the battlefield for all your planeswalkers. And uh, I think that the emergence here of Eldrazi Tron as a surprise winner reveals to me something that I've suspected about the format since the Orion ban, and it's that the the format has sped up significantly. And it's not just the lack of Yorian decks. It's that those decks are now, you know, the decks that were preying on them have decreased in popularity as well now. It took a little while for that to happen. Like, it used to be creativity was, like, one of the most played decks in the format. It's still up there, but it's, like, fourth, fifth, sixth yeah. now on the list. It, it's way down. You basically don't see the bring the, or not bring the light scape shift, but, like, you know, the, that scape shift deck yeah. that made yeah. the finals in Columbus uh, and was somewhat popular, you know, you don't see those big go or the top decks that really hammered four color uh, around these days, uh, you know, in nearly as much numbers. And the, the format is really more ruthlessly efficient. It's Racto Scam, a deck that can put you under a ton of pressure, Hammer, and Is It Murktide as your three you know, most popular decks in most tournaments. You've also still got a good amount of Jeskai Breach. Uh, with two copies in this top eight, another really low to the ground deck that can kill you as early as turn two or turn three. Uh, so if you look at just you know the rest of this top eight, it's all really you know low curve decks and decks that are going to kill you quickly. The eighth deck is Belcher, you know, just straight up combo deck. Yeah, and something we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, I uh, I tried playing that deck at FNM last weekend in, in Apex because we were just there. We played some FNM and I got a uh, I got Ren Besaidude a lot. Which is um, hard to beat when you have no lands with a basic land type in your deck, yep. and all your lands are tapped. You're like half of them do. <laughs> I can understand why you know Belcher makes a little comeback here, since we did get an upgrade for the deck, aka just the better art for Goblin Char Belcher with the new schematic Goblin Char Belchers, <laughs> which look just amazing. By the way, I absolutely I like schematic cards quite a bit uh, aesthetically, so I'm a, I'm a big fan of it. But yeah, I mean, I remember before Vegas last year, which is a we're, I think we're right at a year from, I think it was the very end of last, last year when Vegas had that big modern tournament, the, I think it was like a channel fireball thing. Maybe was it? Yeah. Channel fireball was like running a big event. Uh, there was a lot of press for channel fireball, I mean channel fireball for goblin charbelcher in, in modern. And it was like doing some stuff. It was like winning some events. It was pretty, pretty good. And then like, it didn't, I expected it to show up more that weekend, but a, it was like kind of new generally papers a few weeks behind online Two, the deck was really hard to find in paper. Because there's a bunch of cards in it, like, like who has recrossed the paths and like, you know, all these uh, what's the other one? Uh, yeah, Iron Crag feats, Reforge of Souls, and like Strike It Rich, just sitting around ready to go like the day before a tournament if you need to like audible a deck right away. This is the kind of thing where like you'd have to go online to find your cards, and you're gonna have to go to like multiple vendors most likely. And if you try to find this in person at a vendor thing, good fucking luck. It ain't happening. Like you're yeah. not you're not finding this deck. So. Uh, no, that that's a weird one. But yeah. as far, with Eldrazi Tron, like this is now a meta game where your Chalice of the Voids are really good, which is kind of you know the first mark on the checklist of is Eldrazi yeah. Tron playable? Like, yeah. You know how, how good is Chalice of the Void? Uh, Chalice on zero, you know, good against all these bobble decks. Chalice on one is great against a lot of things. You know, it's not as good against like Rakdos Scam, but even then, Chalice on one is going to at least stop their the Scam part of their deck, the most powerful sure. thing that they do. Um, you know, like that's a matchup where your you know matter reshapers are relevant, um, and it, you know, as a as a far as a, a Tron deck, it's always been the more stable one. Like Mono Green Tron, more powerful, but Eldrazi Tron definitely more stable, has more interaction uh, on the early turns, and I think that's really important in this meta game because so much action is happening on the first two to three turns, mm -hmm. uh, and I mean, you yeah. really you don't want to take them off. 
like it's just like look at the two the two decks that were in, like that did really well in this event like, you've got like hammer which has been you know the prototypical aggro deck in modern for a while now but yeah, that deck puts ha- all of its hand into play ha- hammer murtide and rakdos are the three top decks yeah. right now in modern yeah and if you look at every one of these like they're they're putting their hand on the table in the first like couple turns right and then uh the the thing i like about scam is like it has some of the most busted turns ones and twos that can that can be good into those other decks because you could just be like fury put fury into play like kill all your stuff have a fury in play and then back this up with the season pyromancer and recoup with the cards i lost you know that's its version of expressive iteration you know hammer doesn't really have that thing that like kind of gets i mean like you have pure soul paladin i guess but like their their thing of like occurring recurring the card advantage is killing you is like 20ing you with a hammer well, they get card advantage with Stoneforge Mystic, with Esper sure. Sentinel, and with Urza yeah. Saga. Sure, they're they're not quite as good at that game anymore without Luris, uh, but they're still okay at it. You know, they they, they don't. It's not that's why the deck is so much better than I think than Infect ever was, is because Infect was a lot more all in, didn't really have sources of card advantage, you know, outside of maybe some sideboard cards, um, and it was much less stable because you had to play all these different you know pump spells and you know. The the hammer deck gets to play twelve copies of hammer, sometimes thirteen or fourteen with Steel Shaper's gift. But sure. the only ones that always are hammer are the actual hammers themselves. Stoneforge Mystic can sometimes find Calder Complete or you know a sword or a nettle cyst, and Urza Saga mm-hmm. can find you know other pieces of interaction or extra mana. It also represents other threats with the constructs. So you know your pumps, but most of your pump spells do other things. So the deck is also a lot more flexible. I mean, the, the, it's a really tough you know top tier and that's why i think we you know we see less diversity in modern than we do in pioneer uh because you know those decks are are, you know are so powerful it's five of the top eight you see uh i think it's five Mm -hmm. Uh, oh no it's four it's four because it's two rakdos one hammer one murktide and murktide won it uh and then the the other four are you know two copies of just guy breach which i think is every bit as good as those four decks or those three decks um and then the the one copy of belcher and what was the other one Speaking of Jeskai Breach, did you upgrade your Mox Ambers oh. yet? Oh, and the, and the Ultra and your, and Oh, God, no, Tannen. What about your Bobbles? No. They look so much better, man. I already own these cards. I'm not spending more money for identical copies. I, I like the way they look. If, if you know, I, I could I snap my fingers and my deck just changed into them, I would do it. But not at the cost. Um, that, just... that would be a waste of your powers, Ross. <laughs> yeah. like... and, uh, but... You know, I'm I'm gonna stick with it with my cards. If that you had I own. those powers, we all know that wouldn't be the first thing you do. You'd be turning I, all of your water into wine. That's what you'd be actually. Yeah. Let's be real. I, ju- I just spent a hundred dollars on pioneer cards. Oh no! You know, I gotta. Speaking I gotta, of that, what? I said, speaking of that, you've got an event coming up this weekend that we could talk about for a second because you could you could freely talk about your decks and stuff too. Because I think this probably won't go live until like Saturday or Sunday. Yeah, and I'll be writing about them for the the sure. uh, the Patreon as well. Um, not as much about the Pioneer deck because I'm I copied most of it from Todd Anderson, so I'll link you all to what Todd has written sure. about it. Um, but I'll tell you why I'm playing it. Um, so we'll start there. I'm I'm playing Jeskai Breach and Modern. You know, no surprise. Obviously. I yeah. did very. I came very close to audibling to Teamer because I think Ren and Six Ooh. is really good right now. I have but, seen that version. That version looks cool as shit. Yeah, <laughs> but ultimately I I stuck with uh, with Jeskai. I think Teferi is too important in the is it Merktide matchup. I just didn't feel comfortable against Merktide with so few answers to Merktide itself. Even though uh, they're like, if depending on what list you're looking at, the list that won, I think only had two Merktides. Yeah, the, some lists only list. have two now, but mo- most have three, I would say, is, is the most yeah, common. I think, yeah, I think you're right yeah. along that line. It feels weird to cut multiple Merktides. Yeah, I, I don't quite there. under... Especially now with, with the post-Yorian ban, there's not nearly as many Solitudes. Yeah. In and fact, one of the reasons like, I... You yeah. know, so I, I don't I don't understand that. Sure. But uh, yeah, I'm playing Jeskai Breach. Uh, there's a, a bit of a... I guess we'll cover that first because it's quick, but um, the one new spicy card in the sideboard, and I currently have one. I'm trying to find room for a second, is uh, Fury. Ooh. I just uh, I think it's a very good card at helping you catch up against early scams or get, and the, you know late game it's a great top deck as a two for one when you have mana um, in that matchup and it's also very good against hammer uh, helping you know it's a when they like flood the battlefield with that like ornithopter esper sentinel you know and you know maybe even something else and you just three for two them or even just getting two creatures for no mana and then you're able to like play a grinding station or activate your saga and you don't have to keep spending all this mana. Uh, you know, dealing with their battlefield. Uh, it's a, a really great card in that matchup. So I'm going to have one or two Furies in my sideboard. 
Um, that's a cool one. But in, in Pioneer, I've elected to play uh, Todd's uh, eight Pyromancer is it deck. You and Steam Vents have just become best friends, right? Yeah, I'm a Steam Vents guy. I, I tweeted. I, did you see I'm my tweet tonight? I, I did, and it yeah. made me think about it. I'm also a Steam Vents guy, by the way, if you didn't yeah. know this. But, um, well, for but, me, it's been more Volcanic Island than Steam Vents, but still. Yeah. Basically, you know, I've, I've been playing as in Phoenix. I've done well with it in both events. I've played it, but the metagame has gotten a lot more hostile to mm-hmm. Phoenix. Uh, there's like more Rakdos. Lotus Field is doing well, um, and, you know, things like that. And I think part of it is that players are just better at attacking the sort of delve plan when you're all in on it, and you're so you're you're so threat light. And a lot of the time, you were sideboarding into a more interactive kind of like aggro control deck where you would cut galvanic iteration and temporal trespass and things like that, um, and you know bring in more interactive spells. And then just use treasure crews to like refuel and play a little slower. This deck is basically just that from the start. Yeah, you know, You're not shoving as much. Yeah. yeah, in 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 that in the post board games, it was always so important to have either thing in the ice or ledger shredder in turn two, so that you could turn the corner quickly. This deck basically has twelve of those threats. You have shredder, and then you have the eight pyromancers. Those are your twelve creatures. You play more counter spells, and you actually have some of them in the main with make disappear, mm-hmm. uh, which is great with all the pyromancers. Yeah, that card is just awesome. Yeah. And um, you you get to play. Uh, we're playing a couple of fading hopes, which is great against mono green. It's like the one way to actually like slow down troll draws. Uh, and it, you know you're great at going wide, so giving yourself like one, giving setting up one free attack, and then they replay the threat. They're probably in range where you can just send again and, and yeah. jump attack a little bit to finish them off. Um, but yeah, other than that, like it, it looks very similar to Phoenix. It's got you know there, there's no trespass or iterations. So you got, you get to play four crews. You know, there's the eight cantrips, there's fiery impulse, there's spike field hazard. You know, we're playing strangle as our other removal spell uh, in the main deck just to be as as uh, lean as possible. as possible. Yeah, like the the only Another two mana, mana the only two mana cards are the are the threats and the the make disappears. And then sideboard stuff, obviously. Yeah, right? in the in the main deck. Every, everything else can cost sure. one. Obviously, sometimes cruise will cost more. There's also three yeah. copies of of one mind. Because love that card, by the way. Yeah, the, both uh, both pyromancers. You know, if they you have a token one. and the creature yep. will, uh, you know, give it to you. And they're both humans, so you can sometimes go like turn two shredder, turn three any pyromancer, then of one mind because the bird card, is your non-human. Birds, make a one one. Yeah, that's pretty good. I, I'm not gonna lie; it doesn't take much to sell me on these decks, and I'm already being sold. Yeah, I I do have one question, what? and has have any of y'all ever considered or tested a Balmore in the deck? Uh, yeah, it's just overkill. Like it's just overkill. You don't yeah, need it. it's it's a win more card. It's only good when sure. you're you're doing things and like you sure. just don't need the help in those games. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, it's just one of those. I mean, I fucking love that card. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I honestly like you know was probably gonna play like humans or something or find something and then Todd and I played the Apex Gauntlet last week and he's like, yeah, I'm gonna play my eight Pyromancer deck and I was really skeptical and then he yeah. just thrashed me. I played Rakdos, Mono Green, and and uh, humans, and I think I won crap out of you. three out of fourteen games. Yeah, with, with those three decks, uh, it was just a, an absolute mauling. And like my mm. draws weren't bad. I definitely stumbled a bit, but like I thought he was getting lucky early on. But the, it was literally just fourteen draws. His draws were the same every game. The deck was so unbelievably consistent. Consistent, yeah, yeah. It, you know, it, the, it, it it has that feeling to me. Like it, yeah. it, it feels almost like a Delver deck, like kind yeah. of thing. The, like the Phoenix like, deck it is obviously more powerful, but it mm-hmm. can be really clunky at times when you draw too many Delve cards, or you know, you don't hit and you don't have the pieces to fill in. Maybe you draw too many pieces and you got these three mana sorceries in your deck. You know, it was only playing nineteen lands or something like that. We have twenty lands on the two spike fields. You get to play a Den as one of your your creature lands. You have a Den and a Hall, and then a Sokinzen. In addition to Ottawa, so you have you have a few more lands and more card draws, so you're more prone to flooding. But you also just have more utility lands uh, to to help with that flood. You get to play Gigantha as a companion, which helps a lot. Like the Rakdos matchup, and is just you know kind of free. Um, yeah, the, I mean the sideboard is just you know better removal and and things. You you got to play a couple hearses. The the one matchup that you really make worse when you, when you compare this deck to Phoenix is the Phoenix matchup. Uh, because that's a matchup that's all about doing the really powerful delve things, um, so that matchup's tough. But that's also a deck that's been on the decline. 
And like, I'm mm. pretty sure that a lot of the better energy players that have been playing Phoenix are not going to register it this weekend because they know the deck has gotten a lot worse. So, uh, we still have some hearses there to, to help that matchup. Um, and then, uh, we've got two copies of outpost siege in the sideboard, which is like your haymaker against Rakdos because they can't answer an enchantment. And, uh, yeah, that one puts our hurt on them. So yeah, I think the deck is really good. Um, it has the upside of letting me play with my own elemental tokens. Oh, that's a big game. I forgot about that. Sure. Yeah. So uh, l- l- look for that. Um, but I, it's it's basically just you know post board. Is it Phoenix? Because the metagame has become too hostile to your your main game plan. That that's the way I think of it. Uh, and I think what you know that that deck is still good. The problem is you, you you're going to lose a lot of game ones, and you're going to have all these you know clunky things going on. Um, but the, yeah, deck's really cool. Hopefully we uh, we do well. The last time I played a, a Todd Anderson brew at a big tournament was at an Invitational, an SCGNV, like six years ago, and it was the Is It Goggles deck, and it's, to this day, the most fun deck I've ever played in my career. I, I also went 6-2 in the modern portion of that tournament, did really well, Lo- losing the mirror round one to Todd. We literally got <laughs> paired in round one. Sure. Um, I lost one other matchup to Bant Company, and like you know, easily 6 out the rest. Uh, ended up losing, playing for top eight of that NVI top 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, in case anyone is curious, but that is literally the most fun deck I've ever played in my life. Uh, well, hopefully, hopefully it gets supplanted this weekend. Yeah, hopefully this deck proves to be just as fun. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have the list get posted for everybody in the uh, yeah. in the Discord somewhere or in the Patreon, and you'll, Yo, like you said, you'll I'm going to be working on that literally after we're done with this. <laughs> so Yeah, because uh, uh, as, as soon as we're done with this, I want you to send me the list, by the way. I want to take, yeah. take an actual look at what you're playing this weekend. I'm, uh, I'm also playing, uh, so one more thing, but it, yeah. uh, for the modern Breach list, I'm back to playing Shredder over Fable. I just yeah. want to be more mana efficient with how lean the format the metagame's gotten. You might need uh, to block a little bit. Yeah, too. yeah, and yeah, you you do, you, do need to, you do need to block. So, and what's the event that you're playing in this weekend again for everybody at home? This is a the NRG Louisville. It's their showdown, mm-hmm. which is like the the bigger event of the season. They do they do four events a season, and one of them is the showdown. And instead yeah. of a 10k, it's a 15k. It directly qualifies you as well. Yeah, the winner automatically qualifies for the Energy Championship early January. So it's sort of like a PTQ for me to get into their version of the Players Championship, which would I be need really to cool. Message them as well, see if I can get involved in this uh, <laughs> yeah. thing in January as well. Uh, but fun. really, just excited to play my. You know, this will be my first Energy event. I, I, when I saw the schedule for the season three, I, I wanted to try to make it out to some more. Like I was considering trying to make a run for a season three invite, an at-large bid, yeah. Uh, but it, it just didn't work out. To, like nobody in in Roanoke was going to events, and they're they're not in cities that I can get to easily. Yeah, that's the thing. Like I've always wanted to go to some NRG events because I've been to one. I've never played the coverage, but like you can't fly super easily to a lot of their events it's, yeah. it's a little difficult at times so like the, the, this season was uh newark ohio which is kind of near columbus um in fort wayne indiana which is a little yeah, north of the, indianapolis they're all adjacent to, to big yeah. cities yeah and and mundelein illinois which is a chicago suburb so i was going to plan to go to the first two and depending on how well i was doing i might have you know booked a ticket and flown to chicago to play the mundelein event and i knew i was playing the louisville one um but ended up not being able to make the, the first two. So uh, this will be my first energy. Hopefully, you know, I get to play the tour a little more regularly next year. Uh, maybe I'll plan like, a, you know, Same. a full season because it's kind of hard for me to get to the upper Midwest where they do a lot of things like, you know, Milwaukee, Minneapolis kind of area. Mm-hmm. And then they do like St. Louis. Like those are all flights, you know, not yeah. uh, drivables. And I really don't like the idea of flying to tournaments. <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> so unless they're like very big tournaments, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like I'll I'll fly to the RC in San Diego and or whatever and stuff. And yeah. Uh, so hopefully see you in San Diego. By the way, I won't know yeah. for a while, but I, if we get the the thing again from DreamHack, I'm assuming we're gonna run everything back. Is what it sounded like. So that would be that'll be awesome. I get to hang out again. Yeah. In uh, you know, an awesome city. I love San yeah, Diego. Yeah. I've actually never been to San Diego, and I'm oh, super looking forward to it. I I hope we get to go to a Padres game. Dude. In. <laughs> the, st- the stadium is right next to the convention center. What's the, what's the uh, date of the event? Do you remember? Uh, I, it's sometime in April. All right, I, it would be utterly absurd if like Atlanta was in it for, for town, but I doubt it. We'll see. Like, I think they only make one trip there the whole year, but it'd be really sweet if it was a, a team I like either really liked or really hated. At SCG Philly, the Jazz were in Philadelphia that Sunday, and I was like, "Yo, we, like we should go to the game." And Corey and and Chris ended up to, you know saying, "No, nah, we, we don't want to." Um, 
And then that was the night Joel Embiid went off for like the Wilt Chamberlain line. He he was yeah. like fifty nine, you know, 17, 17 and eight assists. So they yeah, just carried the entire team on his back. Yeah. And and I'm just we're just sitting in the sports book of the Valley Forge Casino watching it, and it's like we could have watched this live. Yeah, we could have been there. and yeah. felt that energy. Yeah, yeah. They had they had like a bo- they had like a box seat for like eighty bucks too. Yeah. Yeah, you can get, you can get some good deals and some seats yeah. like that if you got the right time. It, so. it came with like a twenty to twenty five dollar concession credit, so you get like yeah. you know a beer and a half. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. So. It w- would have been great. And no, no, they didn't want to see that. I thought it seemed to me like it was kismet. You know, the, the Jazz are only oh, in Philly sure. once a year. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you did. Uh, that's one of those ones you just gotta you just gotta bite the bullet and and, and make it happen. Yeah, you know, that kind of stuff. So. All right, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode. Was there anything else that you wanted to add uh, mm. before we let's, get out of here? Let's do a little bit of overrated, underrated. We, oh, well, hold on. There's that. I think we had a question as yeah. well, if I remember right. Give me one second. Let me pull this up. Okay. Uh, I love these questions. We get these pretty often. Ribbon Christ. What card cards would you be willing to see unbanned in Pioneer? In Pioneer? Um, I'm going to pull up the list again just real quick for myself. Yeah. Just to make sure. Um, I think a lot of it might have to do with like if something else gets banned or whatever from from the thing. But uh, there's modern. Hold on, I gotta scroll down. Vintage Legacy Commander. Oh, don't forget the block. I have the block banned list here. If you'd like to, you know, <laughs> don't don't forget Intangible Virtue and Lingering Souls are banned. Yeah, banned in a star block instruction. Don't forget, can't play them. Same, same thing with Aether Vial. Don't don't forget Aether Vial is banned. Uh, there's Brawl. There's Popper. Here we go. Pioneer. Um, the things that, that I can see maybe, like, if mono green changes, like, where you get, like, let's just say Karn does eat it, not saying it's 100% necessary or whatever, like, I could maybe see Walking Ballista coming back off the ban list and being a playable card again. Um, I think there's maybe a point Ballista with Karn? Yeah, this thing, if Karn goes away. Yeah, okay, if Karn goes away, yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I think, I think some of it. Uh, depending on how the format plays out, I'd like to see like what would happen with inverter of truth honestly but i don't i don't know if we need no. to be putting that with like ledger shredder and some of these other things <laughs> if they unban ballista there might be a really good scales deck because like the, yeah, sc- the scales decks have big. have morphed into artifact based because of yeah. patchwork automaton and ingenious smith honestly if, if, every one of the cards on here i'm sorry i cut you off what were you yeah, saying? If, you, if you gave them ballista too they could do yeah, some true. serious stuff honestly every one of the cards i see on here i'm just like yep that checks that, that, that this this kind of I, this kind of fits. I think you could potentially unban Leyline. Leyline, but like yeah, I don't know why you would. Mono Green's still really good. Um, it's just a yeah, little bit of a different deck than it was then. I did. I did see someone talking about possibly unbanning the fetches in in Pioneer and then banning the fetches in Modern and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> just up in, just up in everything. But like, it's only you only get some of the fetches though, right? Like you don't even get all. Yeah, it's, of them. it's, it's like only the fr- only the friendly colors. The yeah, which would be even like uh, we already have a format where the mana isn't correct. You know what yeah. I mean? Like like we don't have all the fast lands. Like you don't have all the paint. Like come on, but the, <laughs> keep the, doing the, this. The, the half the fetch lands is enough though. Like you know, it gets a little bit awkward with with that if you remember the, the old days. But like it would you know you would just play eight or ten still. Um, I the card that I'm actually thinking of and. It's the first time I've thought it might be un- unbannable is Smuggler's Copter. I knew you were going to say Smuggler's Copter. I knew it. Copter. Like, that's that's like one of the only ones on the list where I'm like, this card is kind of fair. Yeah, like, the, the issue with Copter, I think, wasn't necessarily the raw power level of the card. It was the homogenizing impact on the metagame or like the only aggro decks you could play were Copter decks. Yeah. But with the tribal decks that we have now, humans and spirits and things like that. Like they any, probably wouldn't play it. Like, yeah. Would those decks want to play Copter? Like, probably gr- not. Gruel Boats probably would, because you have all those extra 1-1s to crew it, especially good, with Good Love Vehicle, Beast. put in my deck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, a, you know, a random cat could crew it from from a chariot, sure. so that they would definitely play it. Um, but that would, like, make them even more vulnerable to Karn. And, but, like, I don't think Mono White Humans would you know, would play would play Copter. So Maybe you're just Black giving a, a you know, I don't think the Mono... The mono red decks probably would. Uh, they would like just change sure. and mono, and mono black would, but like that's not really a deck anymore. Is it, yeah, is that a bad thing? Yeah, no, yeah, I think it's a bad thing. I was going through. I was like, that's another card. It's like the thing is, almost every other card in here is on here for a freaking reason. You know, they're like a busted combo card or like something that's awful to play against, like like Balistrad Spy and like 
you know, Veil of Summer, Wilderness Reclamation, Winota. Like, these cards are miserable. Uro, like, Teferi? <laughs> Excuse me? Like, these cards are miserable. Yeah, like, I, I th but uh, I think we're at the point where the, the aggro decks in Pioneer have reached a raw power level that mm -hmm. Copter wouldn't be as homogenizing because there are more synergy-driven aggro decks that have filled out their curves with, with enablers. Uh, you know, in the early days of Pioneer, there, the, those synergy decks weren't really a thing. And so Copter was, a, you know, a, a really important part of it. So I could even see, like, weird, like, ingenious Smith aggro decks. Like, can you imagine playing, like, Thraben Inspector, Toolcraft Exemplar, you know. Yeah, yeah sounds good. May, yeah. Maybe the, the one mana 2-1 that's an artifact creature, and then like Ingenious Smith and Copter, and maybe some other artifact synergies. You're talking about the, the pilot that's a Savannah Lion, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I could definitely see that. And yeah, so I think I think that card is something you could definitely like. That one seems like a like the opposite of a Sacred Cow. Like, it's just like, yeah, this we just can't have this card because it's it's been banned, but like, whatever. Speaking of banned things, I, I'm kind of curious. Looking at the block banned format again, we talked about Lingering Souls and Intangible Virtue being banned. Mirrored and Block had, give me one second, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten cards banned in it. Mirrored and Block. Ten cards? Had ten cards. Hold on. Can you name them? Uh, the six artifact lands. Sure. I was going to say, some of this is easy. So okay. Yeah. Aether uh, Vile. I named Aether Vile, yep. Skull Clamp. Yep. Arcbound Ravager. Yep, and the other one is the is the one that I remember. I was like, they got this one right getting this card when other people weren't thinking. About Disciple it. of the Vault. Disciple of the Vault. There you go. Ten for okay. ten, baby. After that, we have Mask Block had two cards get banned. This one's these are kind of famous. Lin Civi and yep. Rishon Import. Yep, uh, Urza's Block had hold on one, two, three, four, five, six, seven cards banned. Uh, I'd be pretty impressed if you got all these. Talarian Academy. Uh, that is one. Uh, Memory Jar. Yes, two. Um, Yogwill? No. Um, I mean, all the cards are messed up. I'll tell you that. Academy Rector? Nope. Was it a Rector deck? Yeah, you're you're gonna you're gonna be mad about a couple of these. They, yeah, they're, they're I, I don't know. Past, past the other two. Okay, so here's here's the list: Gaius Cradle. Okay. Memory Jar. Sarah Sanctum. Time Spiral. Yeah, that's the one I knew. Yeah. Talarian Academy, Voltaic Key, and Windfall. Tempest Block had one card banned. If you think about it, you should know this one. Curse Scroll? Yep. Okay. Mirage Block had one card banned. This one, I'd be pretty impressed. Mirage Block. block. Um, Vampiric Tutor? Squandered Resources. Uh, yep. And then, last but not least, three cards from Ice Age Block got banned. And um, I don't even know what one of these cards is. <laughs> I know what two of the other ones are, but one of them I don't know what this card For Force of Will? No. Uh, I'll give you a hint. Uh, I think two of them are artifacts. I know for a fact one of them is an artifact. One of them is a land. Keldor and Outpost? Nope. Man. Lake of the Dead? No, it's Thawing Glaciers. Oh, yeah, Thong Glaciers. Yep. And then the two artifacts. One is Zoran Orb. Yep. And the other one is Amulet of Quaz? Quoz? I, I think that's an anti-card. Oh, that okay, that makes sense. I was going to say, this is a card, I, yeah, this has to be a, a dexterity anti-thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You sacrifice it. Target opponent may anti the top card of the library. If they don't, you flip a coin. If you win yep. the flip, that player so, loses the game. If you lose the flip, you lose the game. <laughs> Let's, let's, let's actually help out everybody at home, just in case they uh, aren't a boomer like you or I. So, a format in Magic that used to happen, and I was a big fan of this. If you if you know your history of Magic, card sets used to come out in blocks. We would get two or three expansions of this, like, one block. And, like, abilities and cards would get flushed out over the span of the block through the year. And then you'd have constructed formats within that block. So, like, you know, when Innistrad would come out, you would have Innistrad, you know, the first set, all of it blocked, the second set, all of it all, all of those both sets and the third set you get all three of those sets and intangible virtue and lingering souls were just too good they were in like every deck so like that got cut you know uh when we talk about cards like Rashidian Port and Mask every single deck played Rashidian Port so they're like okay no more and you're like well you know how popular was Block Block was actually very popular back then we played it a lot in fact one of the first pro tours I ever extended was a Block constructed pro tour and it was a team event we had to make three decks out of that Block and we broke it well I'm sorry we didn't break it. I broke it. And then another team played my deck as well. They did really well. Tom Ross also broke it at that tournament, and no one knew who he was yet. This is way before he was the boss yeah. and stuff. So 
these events were like super cool. I liked block a lot. I like smaller card pools in in terms of it's it's really cool. So yeah, I, 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 I like block, but it if you you know basically the the big set for the block would get released in the fall. Then you'd have a PTQ season that was limited of just all the big set. Then in the winter you would get an extended PTQ season. And then the spring set was always the third set that completed the block. So the summer season following that release was block constructed for all the PTQs. So uh, you you know you kind of played the formats in seasons. And then standard, you didn't really play a lot of standard. It really only came up at like states in the fall and then regionals. Yeah. In the spring, sure. but you know you just kind of played a lot of standard over the course of, of things for other events they they would just get kind of dotted through the year all right so it isn't an hour but i've got a few minutes left let's do a few of those over and under like you said we haven't been getting to these and there's some good ones here so i'm gonna, I'm gonna fire these off i'll let you answer some of these first all right fernando tatis jr um i'm gonna say overrated I'm also going to say overrated now because of the fact that he just seems like an idiot. So he just keeps doing stupid shit. And yeah, we were talking about him like he was going to be the best player in baseball and like he's really good. But he's, is he in he, the top five? He might be one of the uh, I think he's easily in the top five when he's healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. It's especially with like they're going to move him to the outfield now. We're like because he's not a very good defensive shortstop. All right. Uh, Markov Chainsmoker says South Indian food. Uh, underrated. So Agreed. Not, All Indian food's underrated, right? Well, m- most of the Indian food that you see in restaurants in the West is North Indian cuisine. South Indian is where you got like dosas. Yeah, um, those are so good. Yeah, God. the 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 uh, chickpea batter crepes and stuff like that. Ross, Ross, you have to come visit me right now because yeah. like there's a there's a vegetarian Indian place like right down the street. And oh it's, yeah, it's so good. Uh, so yeah, South Indian is not something I even have a lot of experience with, but yeah. just doses alone yeah. make it uh, underrated. The next one is from Maneater. They say communism. I'm not going to let us answer that one because we don't have enough time. Anthony J says the Braves. Ross, I'm um, staring right at you just so you know. Properly rated. Properly rated. I think they're still somehow underrated, which blows my mind because every year, like we're picked to finish second or third or something in our division. You know, they're like, look at all this money the Phillies spent. Look at all this money the Mets spent. And they just keep losing to us. Mets so, going to Met. Mets going to Met, exactly. Also, I do think that while there are a ton of teams with a ton of talent and they're good, you know, looking at you, Houston, looking at you, Philly, looking at you, Toronto, you know, LA, LA and all these teams. But, like, I don't know if anyone has a better window over the next five to seven years to win a World Series than than, than the Braves. I'm not saying other teams don't have good windows. It's just like, I don't know how you can look at how young and, like, locked up this team is, you know? Not to mention last year they had the winner and runner-up for Rookie of the Year on the same team with a team that won the World Series the year before. And they're just like, they're like, oh, here's these two players that liked it. And you're like, oh, and you still couldn't win anything? Well, I'm like, uh, well, Ronald Acuna Jr. was not himself. And then Ozzy Albies didn't play the entire year. And those are two of the best players in the game. So whatever. Variance 28 says, giving 110% at work. Um, impossible. No one can give more than 100%. By definition, um, that is the maximum that any person can give. I'm going to answer this in the spirit of the question. Uh, overrated. Uh, come at me with the quiet quitting stuff. That's totally my bag. I'm, I'm doing exactly what my uh, my job stuff title yeah. is. If you don't like your job, you don't quit. You just go in there every day and do it really half-assed. That's yeah. the American way. Yeah. Uh, I took it more as like, I'm going to do... Uh, I've had this happen a bunch of times where I've been hired for a job. And then when I, like, I remember I got one where I moved across the country for a job at a startup and was supposed to do this one specific thing. And then I get there and you're like, you're also doing all this other specific stuff. <laughs> and then I had to be on a live stream four hours a day, four, four days a week. And they were like, yeah, man, you know, sometimes like you'd, you'd have a bad night or you're like, you seemed really tired. I'm like, yeah, I'm working a normal fucking job before this. And, and they're like, well, everybody here is working hard. I'm like, yeah, but you don't have to have your face on camera for four hours after this. I'm like mainlining coffee. To, to make it and you know me like i don't drink caffeine very much more or less coffee you know so, so all right tang says flying overseas um properly rated like i think people like the idea of going places but obviously the travel is the worst part the travel is the worst part but here's the thing i do think specifically flying overseas the actual plane ride itself is underrated because it's by far in my lifetime the most pleasant experiences on planes i've ever had yeah yeah, they're, those international planes, you know, are the easily good. the most comfortable. The food's good. They're the most comfortable. The The entertainment's great. And I've just found that the people who work those flights are just, like, in way better moods as well. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. What it is. Maybe they get paid better. I don't know. 
You know, this is like, oh, this is the only flight I have to do today. I don't have to go through three different flights of all these shitty people. You know, because let's, let's be honest. There's something about an airport that just makes people lose their minds. Yeah. Because all says flying. I'm going to go with overrated overall. I've been having a lot of anxiety with flying lately. Yeah. Airports are just some of the worst places on earth, too. Great and limited. Uh, KFET says horsemanship. I mean, you should get out of here with that shit. Un- underrated. <laughs> sure. Yeoman5 says standard. This was a little while ago when he asked this question. So it's probably overrated then. Uh, I'm going to go with underrated now. I've been hearing a lot of really good stuff. I haven't played it a lot, but I've been looking at the deck list. And I, I say this. I'm going to say this. Format looks kind of cool. Yeah. This is generally what standard should be. Like a lot of mid-rangey decks. Um, I wish aggro was a little bit better. I haven't checked into the format in, in a bit. Maybe the, with the new set, we've gotten some aggro decks. But uh, but generally, like if a standard you know format is ruled by mid-range decks, that's, that's a good thing. Because it's really... It's really easy to have standard get ruined by singularly powerful mana engines like Wilderness Reclamation or Fires of Invention, um, and, and uh, that's when it gets you know really bad. But when you when you're just playing lots of Magic and making lots of decisions, that's that's the best you can hope for. Yeah. Uh, one thing I'm going to ask this next one just because I want to hear your response to it. Flackle says tiny leaders. Um, I want to say properly rated, but. I don't know if it's rated at all because I don't know anyone that cares or pays attention to that format. I don't think it's actually a format anymore, but I was just like yeah. wondering if you even knew what it was. Yeah, I don't think it's officially supported. Oh, I know. It's it's the th- th- three mana value or less. Like, sure, it's the commander. Commander, thing, yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, Joe, Mr. English says orange juice. Underrated. I fucking love orange juice. Like, I also love I, orange juice. I can't buy it that often because once it's in my house, I just drink it all the time it's so mm-hmm. delicious mm-hmm. oh my god i love a good glass of orange juice uh pulp or no pulp no no pulp ever i'm, I'm fine either way uh i uh, that okay I, I won't say no pulp ever because if it's a but the only time i ever have pulp is with a fresh squeezed glass of orange juice i will tolerate pulp because the quality of the juice is so high sure um sure, sure. but if i'm just like buying juice from a store never what the fuck is juice? You know, of course. Uh, I'm going to skip a few of these. Cathal says bananas. I'm going to go with underrated because they're fucking great. I think bananas are overrated. I don't really like the texture of them. I think you're overrated. You um, know what kind of foods are shaped like dicks, Ross? The best kinds. The best kinds, exactly. So I, there we go. You just said it. <laughs> Bana- bananas are great, okay? If you thought you weren't getting that reference after the banana question, you were in for a rude <laughs> surprise. Uh... Let's see here. But it, it would be pretty low on my fruit tier list ranking. I think we're gonna, I think we're going to end the show with that one. That was pretty, 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 pretty funny. Yeah, pretty we've, we've clearly peaked. We've definitely clearly peaked. We have climaxed. The show's over. <laughs> but it's, all right. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for listening to this week's episode, Ross. I love you absolutely, and we'll see all of y'all next week.